Welcome to another episode of the Speak Easy podcast powered by Hire Easy and the Outbound Recruiting Academy. I am so excited to bring on our special guest, Jeff DeMagna, Vice President of Recruiting Services at Extensus HR. Jeff's focus on expanding Extensus sales team across the tri-state area is unparalleled. He not only cultivates a robust database of PEO industry sales candidates, but also authored Extensus Sales Recruiting Playbook. As part of the A-Player Implementation Team, Jeff revolutionized Extensus hiring process. So without further ado, uh, welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Thanks a lot, Dan. I appreciate it. A great intro. I really appreciate the invite and excited to talk. We always start every single podcast. Can you share a little bit about your journey into the world of recruiting? What initially sparked your interest in this field and and led you to become a vice president of a well-established company? Sure. I was, uh, you know, started my career kind of, I was a marketing major, didn't know really what, what path I wanted to go down and uh, started inside sales, you know, more of a customer service based type of role. And after about five years of that working in state of Texas, local government organizations, you know, had really good success, really enjoyed it. I didn't want to go into kind of that outside sales type position, uh, but wanted to deal with people. We had an opening at SHI International on the recruiting team. I felt not it helped me with, or really allow me to lean people skills and the customer service skills that I've honed over the first five years of my career. But there's also a creative side and, and kind of an entrepreneurial side that came with recruiting that excited me. So I jumped in, did years of recruiting, university-style hiring, in customer service base. We called it inside account manager, you know, classes of 15 all the way up to 30 a month for three or four years, give or take. Full cycle recruiting, you know, finding them, phone screen, phone interviews, scheduling the interviews, filling offer letters into FedEx boxes, mailing them out. I even ran the orientation. So it was as full cycle as it gets. So ton of reps. That was just huge and, and great for my experience. Eventually, I was called on as a senior recruiter to build out our call center in New Jersey, which was new and, and really exciting for us as well. Uh, really took a lot of pride in expanding into more outside sales. Done other positions as well, you know, a lot of marketing and even some tech roles and things like that, but sales recruiting and, and entry-level sales recruiting specifically always really kind of um, been my specialty and, and my kind of my subject matter expertise. I left SHI after about 12 years, went to a competitor, built their East Coast sales team, I did the startup thing then for about a year. That was geared more towards AI-driven sourcing. So did the year of the startup. But I was looking for that home again, that kind of um, that company where you just feel like you're part of something that's moving into a bigger direction. Found Extensus, came in as a sales recruiter, and, and things kind of broke right relatively quickly in, in a leadership role. So I've you know, been here for over about five and a half years, a little bit more. Been in the VP role for just about five. Actually, this month will be five years, which is awesome. We've grown in that time from about 100 and 125 employees, so we're just about 300 now. Uh, you mentioned expanding the, the tri-state area. We've actually expanded down into the southeast, uh, specifically over the last two years, and just a great, you know, group effort on, on and collaborative effort with my team of six and the recruiting specialists we have, as well as just the people across the board with Extensus. It's it's really kind of a no I in team type mentality, and it's allowed us to continue to grow and become one of the real powerhouses in the PEO industry, which is just a, a booming industry that we're excited about. And walk us through for the listeners that don't know, never heard of Extensus. What do you guys do and what do you guys specialize in? So we're a PEO, so a professional employer organization. Essentially what that allows us to do is it specializes in small, medium businesses, right? So small, medium businesses allow, can partner up with us in a co-employment fashion, and really reap the benefits of Fortune 500 level, uh, you know, healthcare benefits and payroll services, HR services, essentially outsourced HR uh, so that they can focus on their business, right? So if you're a... 20, 15, 20 person software organization and you're building apps and that's your expertise, you don't have to worry about you know, the graphic designers 401k being matched properly. Are there 
you know, their payroll being uh, processed properly. We handle that. It really starts with the healthcare benefits, right? It allows those organizations to give their employees high-end benefit packages through the different partners that we have with different carriers. And then the ancillary products that come with it are things like recruiting services and other pieces to it. So uh, it's really like a one-stop shop for outsourced HR uh, and typically businesses who utilize a PEO see an increase in revenue relatively quickly because again, it allows them really to focus on what they're growing their business and what their business is all about. It's great because it gives the smaller or mid-sized companies the same playing field as the bigger corporations. Um, I was talking to another individual about how benefits have a lot to do with the overall compensation. For example, like 100000 here at 100000 at another company, depending on the specific benefits, is two different levels of overall compensation. So it's really cool that you can give the smaller companies a chance to compete with the bigger companies. Yeah, absolutely. Especially on the recruiting front. You, know, you're, you can lose people that way. So now... If you're, uh, again, you get into things like technology, which we work with, or financial services, you know, universities, um, you know, like you're competing only with the big boys. You're going to lose a lot of them too, the overall benefit package. And now they're, they do level it. You said it fast. It levels the playing field. And now these candidates and, and, and partners of theirs or even, you know, potential clients are choosing the organization based on what they think fits best for them and not just based on name or compensation and things like that. Your specific expertise is recruiting and interviewing. How have you witnessed the evolution of recruiting practices? And what do you think the big key drivers behind those changes? Yeah, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of changes, right? I've been doing this about 15 years now. A lot of ebbs and flows. It's kind of, you know, some has changed and, and a lot's the same and, and it continues to move on. I think, you know, the speed at which people move at this point is not only just lightning fast compared to where it was maybe 15 years ago, how we identify candidates with things like AI, places like Hire Easy, really allow us to narrow down that search. I remember 15 years ago looking for customer service reps or inside sales positions, um, call center members, and, you know, doing the old school monster search and printing out 100 resumes and just cold calling. That doesn't happen anymore. And it's for the better. It's, you know, work smarter, not harder type approach where we can identify and stack right, you know, in places like Hire Easy, who makes sense and reach out to them and use things like the automatic the re-engage, the auto-engage in the system to, you know, make sure we're, we're continuously keeping these people warm or trying to get in contact with without that man, manual effort, you know? So that's really allowed for a faster process. How the candidates go about looking for business, what they're looking for in businesses has obviously changed, uh, you know, hybrid uh, hybrid work workspace, different benefits, different um, perks really that come with, uh, you know, working for certain organizations has changed. Uh, one of the things I always say, and people hear it all the time in here, I think the biggest thing I've ever, I've witnessed is everyone negotiates everything now, right? So it's, you know, we used to have entry level positions and it's a flat rate and now entry level, we've got internships to negotiate, internal transitions, not, not just a higher level, you know, C-suite or experienced reps that try to negotiate, everyone negotiates now. So there's a lot of differences, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's still a matter of understanding what you're looking for. There's three P's. I always said it's, it's profile process and price. You know, what are we looking for? What's our process to find it? And then what is the reasonable price range for us as an organization to be able to bring that person on? And as long those things haven't changed, you know, it's just a matter of how quickly and how you're identifying. But at the end of the day, you're still looking for a person with a skill set and an experience level that makes sense for the position for you. Who is evaluating these people? Who are interviewing these people? What are they looking for in those interviews? Which is, you know, really a different conversation a little bit. And then how much are they, how much are they worth, right? And, and we have so much data now. You know, I should have said that as well. The data that we have at our fingertips in terms of salary information and talent pool assessments, uh, allows us to be so much more efficient in that process than we ever were 10 or 15 years ago. 
where we can really know what we're looking for and what we need to be at on a price point um, before we even start the process. So it does make for a much quicker and, and efficient process. But at the end of the day, you're still looking for those three things to line up. And, and without that, uh, you know, you're, you're not making the hire. And, and with them, you're much more able to you know, get the job, job accomplished. Talked a lot about technology of you know, sourcing candidates. That's the first step. Walk me through things that you've implemented from an interview stage for candidates. And how have you been successful with your organizations that you built up the recruiting interview process? Yeah, I think, well, if we start with the sourcing, especially with the partnership with Hire Easy, it's allowed us really to go truly, you know, that, that blind sourcing, unconscious, removing all unconscious bias, you know, which is great. It's fully stack ranked. We're reaching out to people who solely be in the, and the system allows us to really get granular in what we're looking for in terms of skills or experiences or certifications, whatever it might be. So we're looking at people that make sense uh, based on that skill set. So that's made it really much more efficient in that regard. The thing with the interview process and something that I learned really when I joined Extensus, uh, we went through a, a very high level training of top grading, which is a traditional kind of interview approach, which, you know, kind of starts with a high level uh, pool when you funnel it down and, and go from there. And, you know, one of the things that I always push our hiring managers on is whoever's in the process has to have a role and understand their role in that process so that the candidate experience your employee experience starts with your candidate experience. If you want happy employees, you have to give, give them a good candidate experience while they're going through the interview process. So high-level communication and consistent communication. And also, candidates hate that repetitive interview approach. I spoke with Jeff on one day, and he went through my resume. And then I spoke with Joe on the next day. He went through my resume again. And then I spoke with Melissa next week, and she went through my resume again. You know, And it's like, what are we accomplishing? Because we're not really evaluating them in any different way. We're not getting a deeper understanding of who this person is by just going through the same questions. So it's really a matter of finding that technical skill set. Can they do the position? Uh, and then getting into behavioral questions that make sense for the role you're looking for. You know, we use a scorecard that identifies not only the technical side of things, but also the behavioral and the character traits that we're looking for in, in an in a employee and in a candidate for this role. And then we gear those questions in that second round, or I guess even the third round, right? If the a light screening, then the technical questions, some behavioral. And then you identify too, you know, is there a spot where we can do a skills assessment? We've used Caliper in the past for behavioral assessment. We use that quite often still, actually. Are there certain numbers we're looking for? You know, I'm a sales recruiter. I want to hear, like, have you made a president's club? How many deals did you close? How, tell me your biggest win. Tell me your worst loss. Why was 2021 a good year and 2022 a disaster, right? So there's like really tangible things you can dive into. But the only way it's really efficient is if each step has a reason and you're kind of narrowing it down. And then understanding one of the things we see often, and not to kind of drag this on too long, but this is, <laughs> I geek out about this conversation sometimes, but, you know, what are, what are you looking for specifically to make that decision and hire someone? Because so often we see it with clients and even internally at times where you'll go through this process and that process will run really smoothly, you know, textbook funnel down to the, hey, two final candidates. And it's, oh, well, let's have them talk to this person. Let's have, what are we trying to accomplish with these extra steps? Do we see what we need to see to make a decision? If so, let's pull the trigger get them on board and move on. And if not, let's close them out and, and figure out where we need to adjust. Um, but let's not start just tacking things on at the end just because we want to be indecisive. How can recruiters or salespeople bridge that gap and push the needle of, hey, let's make a decision? So I think there's a couple things. I think first and foremost, owning the process from the beginning is critical. Having that really strong kickoff call. What are you looking for? Identifying what this, so that when you can go down the road, three weeks, three months, whatever it might be, and say, this candidate checks nine out of 10 boxes that you're looking for. What are we, what are we doing here? What are we missing? How, are we, how do we make this happen? I think 
I just kind of stumbled on it there a little bit, like setting realistic expectations. Hey, you know, if you're looking for the perfect person, the unicorn, the purple dino, whatever, all the corny cliches that we use as recruiters, you know, I, I like to say it right off the bat, it's not going to happen. You know, what, what are absolute requirements? What are nice to haves? If those requirements are there, you have to be able and willing to pull the trigger. Unfortunately, and kind of what you're kind of hinting at is when you get down the road and now they're starting to stall, right? And that's the tough part. Um, and that's where, you know, you got to rely and sometimes be strong. Hey, we're going to lose these candidates. More often than not, the best candidates are the ones you find early on in the process. So if you think us starting from scratch again is going to lead to better candidates, it's not. If we're going to kind of reevaluate this role, what adjustments are we making? Are we making it a remote position? Are we lowering the years of experience? Are we changing the compensation? If those are the cases, then those are fair points and we'll adjust and we can pivot and go from there. If we're just going back to the drawing board, why do we expect things to change if we're not actually changing something? And those are hard conversations. And, and sometimes when client or, or hiring manager has to kind of look in the mirror and say, I don't know what I'm changing here. I don't know what I'm adjusting. Why am I not hiring this person who's gone through four interviews and looks, looks and feels the part? Uh, they tend to kind of, it sinks in, right? Uh, it's almost once they, once it's almost gone, it's, oh man, no, I really want that person. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a tough conversation and it does happen. And, and unfortunately you got to just kind of roll with the punches on that sometimes. Typically what I've seen success is utilizing data into the first intake meeting that you talked about candidates, compensation, years of experience or, or whatever to get you in that pool. What strategies have you utilized to state your case, presenting it to the hiring manager or influencing that hiring decision? Yeah, great question. So we, again, early in the process, we start with uh, a salary survey. We partner with a company called ThinkWhy that provides us with different salaries they pull from the U.S. Census Bureau and things like that. So we get a pretty accurate assessment of you know what that person at the years of experience you're looking at, what their market evaluation is, market you know, value is, what their expectations are at forecast 12 months, what the uh, average recommended, all that stuff. And then the other part too is uh, kind of a trick I always like to use and, and hire easy is great for this because they allow us to kind of uh, maximize it is, you know, hey, Daniel, if there was someone on your team that you could duplicate or, or replicate into this role, who is it? Oh, it's, it's John over here. Awesome. Take John's LinkedIn profile, take John's resume or, or whatever it might be and throw it into Hire Easy and create our search based on that. The talent pool assessments provided and the analytics provided within Hire Easy really give us a lot of leverage in understanding the market. If they understand that it's a pretty specific role they're looking for, there's a handful of people, not dozens of people who have those qualifications in their specific location, they tend to understand it. So those are the types of data we look for. But sometimes there's real-time analysis. You're, you're talking to people, you're interviewing, and you start to see, hey, you know what, maybe, you know, maybe it's the years of experience, maybe the certification, whatever it might be. And you go back and you have those communications. To me, if you're not communicating, there's no way you can adjust. We require weekly calls with all our hiring managers internally a lot. We do it with even, even more than weekly um, because we want to be able to adjust as quickly as possible. Over the course of the last three years, interviewing has changed. We yeah. are in-person, 100% remote interviews. And now it's more of how are we going to interview? Is it going to be over Zoom? Should I be in person? And I think there's an opportunity to coach hiring managers, corporations of how to in-person interview these days. Hey, here's the restroom. Here is the structure of the day. Here's a couple breaks in between because we're so used to interviewing behind the computer, behind the yeah. screen, that it's changed. How have you seen the changes back and forth, back and forth the last three years and shed some light on your experiences? Yeah, I think, you know, prior to everything going virtual, you know, it was the, the truly traditional approach. You wanted people coming in a lot of times, multiple times, right? In, in hindsight, you know, we were really kind of wasting a lot of time, right? You know, travel time, 
coordinating. You know, a lot of people, if they're currently employed, they can't come in more than once in a week or maybe even once in two weeks. So now you're extending the process longer than we would like. The virtual aspect definitely had its pros and cons. The pros were everyone got a uniform interview approach, right? You know, or interview conversation, discussion, because, you know, I found that there was less fluff. You come in, you come in for an interview, you might wait 10 minutes. You, you might run into some people. You're running from meeting to meeting. Oh man, I'm late for my 10, I'm late, I'm late for the interview that I got to jump in. Let me go find the hiring manager. Oh, they're stuck on the phone. That was not typically with the 100% virtual and less of the, oh, where'd you come from? All that stuff that doesn't necessarily matter. And also we're variables. You know, it's a much different interview Tuesday afternoon, answer board meeting, and you have an interview Friday morning. And then I'm golfing in the afternoon with a client. That, fr- that person getting that interview on Friday morning is getting a much different version of that hiring manager than the person did on Tuesday afternoon, right? I found that it was, that was alleviated a lot during the virtual setting. Um, so that was great. And I think now we're in really kind of a combination of both. A lot of the early stages of the process are allowing us to get through virtual interviews. And it's we can do a virtual interview on a Monday, get you on with the next round on a Tuesday, and then do more like an interview day on like a Thursday or Friday or maybe the next week for all the finalists to come in and meet with the people, get a little bit of that feel, especially if it's something that includes, you know, some sort of presentation or like 30, 60, 90 plan. You know, preferably you get to do them in person and kind of see how they play that off. So it's, it's allowed it to be much quicker, but we're definitely in a stage right now where I would say it's a combination of both. And I think it's the best, it's, it's a really good place for us to be. Obviously the recruiting industry has got hit pretty hard with kind of layoffs, those type of things. What do you specifically look for or any specific tips for the recruiting industry looking to get back to work to separate themselves with all the other candidates out there? First off, lean on your success. My brother told me years ago, we're not athletes. We're not actors. We don't have agents. But the only person who's going to actually, you know, kind of represent you is you. And sometimes that means going in and saying, hey, did you know I, I hired 150 people last year? Whatever that accolade is, whatever that high, high watermark is for you as a recruiter, lean on it. Present it. Make sure it's on every profile out there. Make sure it stands out on your resume. Numbers are key. I talk about this with sales reps too. Hey, I covered the Northeast. Cool. I don't care. How were you successful? If you were hiring and you're a recruiter, get those numbers out there so that I can have something to chew on looking at your resume, right? I think there's that. And then I think for me and something, you know, I've done in the past, I did it with Accentus HR, be proactive in how you want to go about your interview process. Everyone's going to look at the website. What does that mean? Personally, I built out a 30, 60, 90 plans. I knew I wanted to be here. I pulled people's profiles of that I did not know who worked here. And I said, I want to talk to this person. Why did they leave our competitor to come here? Why is this person a senior recruiter? And I'm whatever, all those different things. Here's what I'm going to do in my second phase of this. And, you know, my first in-person interview, I did a 306090 PowerPoint uh, presentation and it wasn't required. It wasn't asked, but I wanted the position. I think people way too often, and we see you know, as recruiters, you see, they get on a call and shall You kind of get what you put into this, right? So it's really hard. It's a really hard place to be. I feel for those people so much, especially over the last couple of years where there were so many you know, on the in the tech industry and a lot of these startups, you know, they were growing, growing, growing and it holds. But it, I would assume that those people were hired as recruiters in those companies for a reason. Make sure you're blasting it out there as much as you can, because there's some positive that you've had in the past that someone's going to recognize and feel like that can transfer over to their organization because there's still people hiring. It's tough. I agree. It's tough. I'd love to tap into that 30, 60, 90 day approach. What goes into the 30 day mark, 60 day mark, 90 day mark? What is that breakdown? What do you, what do you go over? 
Well, it depends on what the position is. I know for me, it was, you know, I was coming into a new industry, right? So I was educate myself on PO, educate, specifically when I was hired as a sales recruiting, educate myself on the sales team, you know, what that looks for, looks. I'm not a script guy when it comes to interviews, but I do like an outline, uh, you know, kind of a North Star to go to uh, whenever necessary, uh, you know, create that North Star. Um, that 30 to 60 days, that kind of phase two is more, you know, fine-tuning the conversations, talking to people that are necessary. I spent a lot of time with the president of our organization, with their VP of sales. I used to just go sit with our sales managers, our directors of sales, just to hear them kind of interact, right? And talk shop. I had that luxury and the one happened to be a Miami Dolphin fan like me. So we talk a little football and then I'd hear them kind of, sales reps comes by and has a question. and I get to learn almost through osmosis, right? And really the third phase was identifying different KPIs or objectives that I wanted to be checking off at that point. You know, hey, I want to have three hires here by then. I want to, whatever the number might be, I want to have a playbook of what's working. Um, Self-evaluation, and this isn't working. What might've worked in my last place isn't working here. How do I adjust? Uh, and I think if you can get through those 90 days, and sometimes it's even quicker, sometimes it's 60, depends on if you're transitioning from industry to industry, it might even be 30, right? But have a plan of attack beyond just getting, getting your foot in the door. And express that plan of attack. Any employer is going to be excited to have someone who is enthusiastic about coming in and being successful as quickly as possible. I think there's a huge opportunity for continued education within this field yeah. because the recruiting industry is just changing like wildfire. Where do you go? Where does your team go to continue to elevate their skills and education within the field? Yeah, good question. Hire is actually phenomenal with it. You guys are constantly sending us over, you know, different trainings and, and, and best practices. YouTube has so many, and I know that's a generic answer. There's so many quick little three to five minute best practices. There's different podcasts that I recommend now. There is a SHRM TA certification. I know we're exploring for 2024. So there's definitely a lot of really specific recruiting kind of tutorials and credentials out there. But I'll tell you too, the other thing and something that I think that can get lost a little bit in some of the new wave um, corporate kind of approach and, and just, you know, hybrid and, you know, there's days where you're in an office and feel like you're in there with like four other people, but man, listen, listening to other people, right? Especially your hiring managers. I push my team all the time. I, I said the earlier own the process, but really try to become partners with that hiring manager, especially if you have reoccurring roles within a specific department, sit in on their, on their calls, right? I do my, my portion of it, my initial conversation with the candidate, but I love, and I, I'll still do it to this day. I'll sit in RSVP of sales. Andy is a incredible interviewer. And I'll say, hey, I just want to sit, fly on the wall, like not even put my camera on. I just want to listen. And you constantly are learning not only about the role so you can speak more intelligently about the position you're hiring for, but you pick up different tricks, you know, different, you know, best practices. Recently, I was watching him and I love, he goes, he's very good. Like I said, I like to follow a line, have a flow. It's like the sports talk radio in me, I think of like, you know, let's, let's keep it transitioning. He'll just stop things. Be like, you know what? You said something five minutes ago that I can't get out of my head. Can you go back to that and elaborate? And I love that because you know, he's owning the conversation and he's getting the information he needs. And I would never think to have done that if I wasn't sitting in on his call. So go and, and listen to people, sit in with other recruiters, walk shop, you know, kind of like we're doing. Like, I love this. Like, there's an enthusiasm. Like, there's an, I'm excited about this because we do it all day. How do we get better at it? It's you learn from each other. It's, it's a rep business, the rep skill. And there's an art form to that. An old manager, you say there's an art form to interviewing. And the only way to get better at that art is to do it. And to be around it. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be your interview. You could be sitting in on someone else's uh, and, and learning from them, you know? For sure. And it's not always about what they did. It's asking the second and third question after that and figuring out why they did what they did. Because that it gives a whole new way of looking at things. 
and you'll get a lot of details of answering why did they choose that or why did they do what they did to get success or failure or whatever it may be. That's why I love the outline, because if you have a good understanding of what you want to and really need to cover to get the information you need, it allows you to really be an active listener. Um, you know, so many early recruiters I've trained a lot over, over the years, they're so caught up on what am I going to ask next? What am I going to ask next? That they're not really listening, right? They're not thinking of how, wait, what did they just say? <laughs> you know, like uh, they're on to the next thing before the person's even done communicating. And that's why if you have that out, you can ask and you know what's next. And again, you can always look down or whatever it might be. And it allows you to really be engaged and, and really be listening to the, to, the, to the candidate. And man, there's not a better word out there for a recruiter to elaborate. Elaborate on that. And uh, it'll give you so many different answers and so many more, so much, such a deeper insight to what that candidate is all about. It, it's, it can be a game changer in some conversations. The best recruiters I've ever met ask really, really good questions and then just listen yes. and let <laughs> candidates ramble. And they ask a question or clarify this and then let them talk and they get all the information they need and then they can make that decision. If you could travel back in time and give one piece of advice for your younger self, starting your career in recruiting, what would that be? Wow, that's a good question. The one thing that I've always prided myself on pushes, and it's still the case, it is a hustle job. It is, and the hustle's different now because of things like AI and stuff, but it is still a matter. People who are successful are the ones who understand when to step on the gas and go and do the extra. And I think for me, it was early on, I knew I was hiring for the position I was coming from. So I knew the role, but understanding where that role fit into the whole kind of um, workflow of our business. I wish it earlier in the process. I did eventually, but understanding where all things fit. Uh, within that business, even in, at expenses, you know, PO is a is pretty complex industry. Early on, I was like, all right, I know how to I know how to interview and find sales reps, and it wasn't until I really understood where the sales reps play with things like our implementation team and where's the HR team come into fact. And wait, who do we partner with in the benefits and stuff like that? That really allowed me to be a stronger sales recruiter because now I understood their role within the entire workflow. So you know, the one piece of advice I would give myself in any early level you know, lower level recruiter is understand the position you're looking for, get it as deep as you possibly can understand it, but also understand where it plays into the big picture of the business. In turn, you're actually a business partner to the business that you're supporting and you have a seat at the table. You can bring data and metrics and talk what a hire can do for the overall business versus just filling your role that you're working on. Yeah. If you don't know what the, what the role is as closely to inside and out as you can, as someone who never has never done it, but it's hard for you to have that voice or that seat at the table. And that's it. I always push my team. And something I like to have is to get to that point where at least my opinion can be valued because they know I, I understand what we're looking for and what this role entails. And the only way that comes is by, again, experience and educating yourself on the roles that you're hiring for, speaking to the people that are in them, speaking to the hiring managers, and just, again, a lot of self-evaluation of like, where am I missing the mark? What am I doing well? And how can I, you know, kind of adjust moving forward? If you could put your pulse on maybe two or three characteristics of a top level recruiter in 2024, what would that be? That's a great question. I would still, number one, I, I could be sarcastic here, take the jersey in me and be sarcastic and I'll tell you one, two and three or hustle, hustle, hustle. Um, but I won't do that to you for sake of content. But listen, it's the truth. It's, it's not always a nine to five job. It's not always, you know, the candidates that apply that are going to be filled. You have to hustle. You have to be able to read the room and understand that sense of urgency when it's necessary. The position is critical for the person who's asking you to go find that person. So you have to put just as much into that as they're as they need you to, right? My best recruiters, I'll get 
yeah, not often. I don't want them doing this all the time, but hey, I got a signed offer. I'm like, it's Saturday at 11 in the morning. Like, yeah, good. I sent it yesterday. They sent it. I'm pumped up. Enthusiasm that comes with it, right? There's an energy. So definitely that hustle level. Two is attention to detail. And that's something that we all fall into the trap. You know, you get into the routine and then all of a sudden, like, wow, I, you know, typo on an offer letter, or, you know, didn't, you know, check a reference or whatever it might be. But attention to detail is something that I think always not only needs to be important, but just reevaluate it at times. Am I buttoned up right now? Because I, I might be flying too fast and now things are getting a little sloppy. And three is that diversity in a sense of, you know, are you willing and able to work different types of roles while still really being strong, you know, being strong at it? I've talked a lot about sales recruiting because that has been you know, my forte. But, you know, being able to go into HR or marketing or some sort of tech positions, operational type roles. Again, understanding, if you understand the business you're working in as a whole, you should be able to jump into different types of positions and be successful. Uh, and that is, you know, as, as someone who's, who's running a team, having a team that's flexible and where I can put them and what they can go and do, it makes my life so much easier. So, you know, that hustle, attention to detail, uh, and really just the flexibility to do a lot of different types of things is, uh, are probably three traits that I would really hone in on if I was a new recruiter. Throughout your career, you've likely encountered various leadership styles that has shaped your specific leadership style. Is there a leader you've worked with who stood out and really shaped your experience as becoming a leader of other individuals? I'm 15 years in. I think the way I like to lead is I'm honest, but I, they know I'm here for them. There's that big brother vibe. I think if your employees know that you're willing to kind of get into the weeds with them and, and push forward, they're gonna, they'll go the extra mile for you. I've had phenomenal leadership here and very different types. You know, our SVP of people, David Pearson, is you know, much more of a direct, specific to the number. This is what we need. Our former president, Dan Sheridan, was much more of kind of a rah-rah type guy, right? And, and he would pump you up and remind me of, you know, being that, like growing up and playing sports. Uh, and then even our CEO now, Blake Morris, is, uh, you know, very even keel, never too high, never too low. And, you know, one of the things I like to pride myself on is just being a sponge with all these people, right? Like taking pieces of what they do uh, and, and hopefully implementing it into you know, my own approach, which becomes a unique style of its own. So, you know, I think a lot of it comes from that. You know, a lot of it comes from just being in the role and knowing what I liked and didn't like from leaders in the past and, and making sure I'm, or trying my best, I should say, to not make the same mistakes that, you know, maybe I felt that they were making. Is there a specific tool that you've utilized that really has shaped your interview process, your sourcing, your recruiting capabilities from your organization? Yeah, I mean, not to, not you know, be too congratulatory to you guys, but hiring you has been a giant game changer for us. I mean, we hire for both extensives. We hired over 100 people for extensives last year, and we hire for our clients. We hired 250 people for our clients last year. That's different industries, different businesses. And it allowed us to go with a little bit more of an RPO model and a gamified approach. We use the collaborator licenses very extensively, I think a little bit differently than most of, of your other uh, partners, according to you know the people I've spoken with. Uh, and that thumbs up, thumbs down allows us to really put all in our client's court, make sure that they understand that, hey, we need some partnership. We need collaboration with you. But man, it's changed everything we've done, everything we've been able to do on the client side. Uh, and it's given us the opportunity to work different positions, more technical roles, more specific roles, different industries, and be more, much more efficient. So, you know, again, there's still that personal touch that comes with everything. And I think that's the key to utilizing all this technology is figuring out where the human element comes into maximizing the, you know, the AI and the technology. But HireEG has been an absolute game changer for us, especially when it comes to dealing with our clients. Um, and we're super excited about, you know, continuing to maximize it as, you know, in the years to come. Let's go to the quick fire questions, maybe a couple of those as we wrap yeah. up. What is your go-to interview question that has proven effective in assessing the candidates? My absolutely favorite one is tell me a time where you gave up short-term gratification for a long-term success. 
It doesn't have to be career-wise. It could be personal, career, whatever it might be. And you get phenomenal answers. And I love it. I love that question because you're looking to hire someone to be long, you know, have a long-term career and success for position you're trying to fill. Um, and sometimes that's not the case in the first six months, three months, six months, even a year. Um, but you can get a real read for who a person is with that question from what I can tell and the work ethic that they have. I love that. I absolutely love that question. It's funny because I got that interview question when I worked at Amazon okay. uh, through my interview loop. That was one of the questions that, cool. that I got. So that's a really good one. Yeah. Any book recommendations that related to recruiting, career, or just a fun read? I mean, career, I, I got to be honest, not necessarily a fun read. I love, I, I, actually, no, it's kind of a little bit of both and it's the same writer. Uh, it's um, Ray Thompson is a writer and he did uh, the, cost, the Cost of Greatness. And he does a story with like, again, sports related, touched on that a couple of times, but it's, it's amazing to hear what people give up, you know, Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan and Wayne Gretzky, Ted Williams. There's a bunch of people in there, you know, what they have to give up on a personal level to achieve the greatness they've, they've had. Right. So it's not specific to necessarily business or recruiting, but it is very insightful to like what great people do to be great. Uh, and just a fun read, same, same guy, but, uh, Copyland is about, uh, Poppy Van Winkle bourbon uh and then it turns into really about him and his dad and his wife having it it's just a really heartwarming uh you know great great book and it's got some great bourbon recommendations too i guess while well, i well, <laughs> love it love it last question when you reflect on your whole career what is the proudest accomplishment within recruiting that comes to mind oh man i'm gonna give you two not to be you know diplomatic but building the call the call center uh, nshi um was tremendous. I mean, we were told specifically that we can't hire sales reps in New Jersey. People in New Jersey don't want to do kids in New Jersey specifically, quote unquote, don't want to do sales. All right, let's give it a stand. And after about a year and a half, two years, we had 150 sales reps all working small, medium, state, local education. It was a farm system for future sales reps. I still see all the time people literally today who, you know, someone who I hired in one of the first classes. It was just such a great experience in, in developing that, building that from scratch. Um, and then the other one is is the same, kind of the same type of mentality. I like that building aspect of things. And, you know, we took a recruiting piece of extensives, which was really an ancillary product. You know, I think when I started, there was a handful of clients who used it. It was kind of a, hey, let's discount them, give them a free requisition. If we had double digit open jobs with our clients, I, I would be, I, I don't even know if that was the case. Um, we decided to include it. We incorporated the AI. Uh, we built out this whole RPO type model. We found data information that we can provide to them. And now we're hiring, you know, 200 plus employees for our clients. It's a part of our conversation at the sales table with prospects. Uh, we've incorporated ATA. Like there's so many different aspects to it. It's a critical piece of our offering now, um, where five years ago, that was not the case. So again, I like that building aspect of it. We've built something really special here at Extensus on the recruiting front and and hopefully bigger, uh, knock on wood, bigger and better things to come as well. And I, And it's all... Just the resources that upper, the senior leadership team allow us to have. The team I have is so engaged and bought in. There's six of them. They're all here, you know, uh, two plus years, you know, all have a real specific, you know, have specific roles. And it's really like a no IM team type mentality. And it's been a huge value add and a big differentiator for us because none of the other PEOs are doing it. As we wrap up this episode of the Speakeasy podcast powered by HireEasy, a big thank you goes out to Jeff DeMonda for his invaluable insights into talent acquisition, sales recruitment, and extensus HR. Jeff's commitment to elevating Extensus sales team and his innovative recruitment strategies serve as a powerful example of our field. We hope you found this conversation both enlightening and actionable. 
And remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a rating. Your feedback helps us improve and reach more listeners to increase and elevate the recruiting community. So stay tuned for the next upcoming episode on Monday. And until next time, keep exploring, learning, and growing in your recruitment endeavors. So thanks again, Jeff, for being a guest on this Speakeasy podcast. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Thanks a lot, Dan. Appreciate it.